This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Red Abras. The Mysteries of Udolpho by Anne Radcliffe. Volume 2, Chapter 12. Then, O oh, you blessed ministers above, keep me in patience and in ripened time unfold the evil which is here wrapped up in countenance shakespeare annette came almost breathless to emily's apartment in the morning oh mademoiselle said she in broken sentences what news i have to tell i have found out who the prisoner is but he was no prisoner neither he that was shut up in the chamber i told you of I must think him a ghost, forsooth. Who was the prisoner? inquired Emily, while her thoughts glanced back to the circumstance of the preceding night. You mistake, ma'am, said Annette. He was not a prisoner after all. Who is the person then? Holy saints, rejoined Annette. How I was surprised! I met him just now, on the rampart below there. I never was so surprised in my life. Ah, mademoiselle! This is a strange place. I should never have done wandering if I was to live here an hundred years. But as I was saying, I met him just now on the rampart, and I was thinking of nobody less than of him. This trifling is insupportable, said Emily. Pry thee, Annette, do not torture my patience any longer. Nay, mademoiselle, guess, guess who it was. It was somebody you know very well. I cannot guess, said Emily impatiently. Nay, mademoiselle, I'll tell you something to guess by. A tall seigneur with a longish face, who walks so stately, and used to wear such a high feather in his hat, and used often to look down upon the ground, when people spoke to him, and to look at people from under his eyebrows, as it were, all so dark and frowning. You have seen him, often and often at Venice, ma'am. Then he was so intimate with the signor too. And now I think of it, I wonder what he could be afraid of in this lonely old castle that he should shut himself up for. But he is come abroad now, for I met him on the rampart just this minute. I trembled when I saw him, for I always was afraid of him somehow. But I determined I would not let him see it. So I went up to him and made him a low curtsy. You are welcome to the castle, Signor Orsino, said I. Oh, it was Signor Orsino then, said Emily. Yes, mademoiselle, Signor Orsino himself, who caused that Venetian gentleman to be killed, and has been popping about from place to place ever since, as I hear. Good God, exclaimed Emily, recovering from the shock of this intelligence, and is he come to Udolpho? He does well to endeavour to conceal himself. Yes, mademoiselle, but if that was all, this desolate place would conceal him without his shutting himself up in one room. Who would think of coming to look for him here? I am sure I should as soon think of going to look for anybody in the other world. There is some truth in that, said Emily, who would now have concluded it was Orsino's music which she had heard on the preceding night, had she not known that he had neither taste or skill in the art. But, 
though she was unwilling to add to the number of annette's surprises by mentioning the subject of her own she inquired whether any person in the castle played on a musical instrument oh yes mademoiselle there is benedetto plays the great drum to admiration and then there is launcelot the trumpeter nay for that matter ludovico himself can play on the trumpet but he is ill now i remember once emily interrupted her have you heard no other music since you came to the castle none last night why did you hear any last night mademoiselle emily evaded this question by repeating her own why no ma'am replied annette i never heard any music here i must say but the drums and the trumpet and so far last night i did nothing but dream i saw my late lady's ghost your late ladies said emily in a tremulous voice you have heard more then tell me tell me all annette i entreat tell me the worst at once nay mademoiselle you know the worst already i know nothing said emily yes you do mademoiselle you know that nobody knows anything about her and it is plain therefore she is gone the way of the first lady of the castle nobody ever knew anything about her emily leaned her head upon her hand and was for some time silent then telling annette she wished to be alone the latter left the room the remark of annette had revived emily's terrible suspicion concerning the fate of madame montoni and she resolved to make another effort to obtain certainty on this subject by applying to montoni once more when annette returned a few hours after she told emily that the porter of the castle wished very much to speak with her for that he had something of importance to say her spirits had however of late been so subject to alarm that any new circumstance excited it and this message from the porter when her first surprise was over made her look round for some lurking danger the more suspiciously perhaps because she had frequently remarked the unpleasant air and countenance of this man she now hesitated whether to speak with him doubting even that this request was only a pretext to draw her into some danger but a little reflection showed her the improbability of this and she blushed at her weak fears i'll speak to him annette said she desire him to come to the corridor immediately annette departed and soon after returned barnardine mademoiselle said she dare not come to the corridor lest he should be discovered it is so far from his post and he dare not even leave the gates for a moment now but if you will come to him at the portal through some roundabout passages he told me of without crossing the courts he has that to tell which will surprise you but you must not come through the courts lest the signor should see you emily neither approving these roundabout passage nor the other part of the request now positively refused to go tell him said she if he has anything of consequence to impart i'll hear him in the corridor whenever he has an opportunity of coming thither annette went to deliver this message and was absent a considerable time when she returned it won't do mademoiselle said she bernardine has been considering all this time what can be done for it is as much as his place is worth to leave his post now 
but if you will come to the east rampart in the dusk of the evening he can perhaps steal away and tell you all he has to say emily was surprised and alarmed at the secrecy which this man seemed to think so necessary and hesitated whether to meet him still considering that he might mean to warn her of some serious danger she resolved to go soon after sunset said she i'll be at the end of the east rampart but then the watch will be set she added recollecting herself and how can bernardine pass unobserved this is just what i said to him ma'am and he answered me that he had the key of the gate at the end of the rampart that leads towards the courts and could let himself through that way and as for the sentinels there were none at this end of the terrace because the place is guarded enough by the high walls of the castle and the east turret and he said those at the other end were too far off to see him if it was pretty duskish well said emily i must hear what he has to tell and therefore desire you will go with me to the terrace this evening he desired it might be pretty duskish mademoiselle repeated annette because of the watch emily paused and then said she would be on the terrace an hour after sunset and tell bernardine she added to be punctual to the time for that i also may be observed by signor montoni where is the signor i would speak with him he is in the sedad chamber ma'am counselling with the other signors he is going to give them a sort of treat today to make up for what passed at the last i suppose the people are all very busy in the kitchen emily now inquired if montoni expected any new guests and annette believed that he did not poor ludovico added she he would be as merry as the best of them if he was well but he may recover yet count morano was wounded as bad as he and he is got well again and is gone back to venice is he so said emily when did you hear this i heard it last night mademoiselle but i forgot to tell it emily asked some further questions and then desiring annette would observe and inform her when montoni was alone the girl went on to deliver her message to bernardine montoni was however so much engaged during the whole day that emily had no opportunity of seeking a release from her terrible suspense concerning her aunt annette was employed in watching his steps and in attending upon ludovico whom she assisted by caterina nursed with the utmost care and emily was of course left much alone her thoughts dwelt upon on the message of the porter and were employed in conjecturing the subject that occasioned it which she sometimes imagined concerned the fate of madame montoni at others that is related to some personal danger which threatened herself the cautious secrecy which bernardine observed in his conduct inclined her to believe the latter as the hour of appointment drew near her impatience increased at length the sun set she heard the passing steps of the sentinels going to their posts and waited only for annette to accompany her to the terrace who soon after came and they descended together when emily expressed apprehensions of meeting montoni or some of his guests oh there's no fear of that mademoiselle said annette they are all set in to feasting yet and that bernardine knows 
they reached the first terrace where the sentinels demanded who passed and emily having answered walked on to the east rampart at the entrance of which they were again stopped and having again replied were permitted to proceed but emily did not like to expose herself to the discretion of these men at such an hour and impatient to withdraw from the situation she stepped hastily on in search of bernardine he was not yet come she leaned pensively on the wall of the rampart and waited for him the gloom of twilight sat deep on the surrounding objects blending in soft confusion the valley the mountains and the woods whose tall heads stirred by the evening breeze gave the only sounds that stole on silence except a faint faint chorus of distant voices that arose from within the castle what voices are those said emily as she fearfully listened it is only the signor and his guests carousing replied annette good god thought emily can this man's heart be so gay when he has made another being so wretched if indeed my aunt is yet suffered to feel her wretchedness oh whatever are my own sufferings may my heart never never be hardened against those of others she looked up with a sensation of horror to the east turret near which she then stood a light glimmered through the grates of the lower chamber but those of the upper one were dark presently she perceived a person moving with a lamp across the lower room but this circumstance revived no hope concerning madame montoni whom she had vainly sought in that apartment which had appeared to contain only soldiers accoutrements emily however determined to attempt the outer door of the turret as soon as bernardine should withdraw and if it was unfastened to make another effort to discover her aunt the moments passed but still bernardine did not appear and emily becoming uneasy hesitated whether to wait any longer she would have sent annette to the portal to hasten him but feared to be left alone for it was now almost dark and a melancholy streak of red that still lingered in the west was the only vestige of departed day the strong interest however which bernardine's message had awakened overcame other apprehensions and still detained her while she was conjecturing with annette what could thus occasion his absence they heard a key turn in the lock of the gate near them and presently saw a man advancing it was bernardine of whom emily hastily inquired what he had to communicate and desired that he would tell her quickly for i am chilled with this evening air said she you must dismiss your maid lady said the man in a voice the deep tone of which shocked her what i have to tell is to you only emily after some hesitation desired annette to withdraw to a little distance now my friend what would you say he was silent a moment as if considering and then said that which would cost me my place at least if it came to the signor's ears you must promise lady that nothing shall ever make you tell a syllable of the matter i have been trusted in this affair and if it was known that i betrayed my trust my life perhaps might answer it but i was concerned for you lady and i resolved to tell you he paused emily thanked him assured him that he might repose on her discretion and entreated him to dispatch 
Annette told us in the hall how unhappy you was about Signora Montoni, and how much you wished to know what was become of her. Most true, said Emily eagerly, and you can inform me? I conjure you, tell me the worst, without hesitation. She rested her trembling arm upon the wall. I can tell you, said Bernardine, and paused. Emily had no power to enforce her entreaties. I can tell you, resumed Bernardine, but— But what? exclaimed Emily, recovering her resolution. Here I am, mademoiselle, said Annette, who, having heard the eager tone in which Emily pronounced these words, came running towards her. Retire, said Bernardine sternly, you are not wanted, and as Emily said nothing, Annette obeyed. I can tell you, repeated the porter, but I know not how. You was afflicted before. I am prepared for the worst, my friend, said Emily, in a firm and solemn voice. I can support any certainty better than this suspense. Well, Signora, if that is the case, you shall hear. You know, I suppose, that the Signor and his lady used sometimes to disagree. It is none of my concerns to inquire what it was about, but I believe you know it was so. Well, said Emily, proceed. The Signor, it seems, had lately been very much wrath against her. I saw all and heard all, a great deal more than people thought for. But it was none of my business, so I said nothing. A few days ago the Signor sent for me. Bernardine, says he, you are an honest man. I think I can trust you. I assured his excellency that he could. Then, says he, as near as I can remember, I have an affair in hand, which I want you to assist me in. Then he told me what I was to do, but that I shall say nothing about. It concerned only the Signora. Oh, heavens! exclaimed Emily. What have you done? Bernardine hesitated and was silent. What fiend could tempt him or you to such an act? cried Emily, chilled with horror, and scarcely able to support her fainting spirits. It was a fiend, said Bernardine in a gloomy tone of voice. They were now both silent. Emily had not courage to inquire further, and Bernardine seemed to shrink from telling more. At length he said, It is of no use to think of the past. The Signor was cruel enough, but he would be obeyed. What signified my refusing? He would have found others who had no scruples. You have murdered her, then, said Emily, in a hollow and inward voice. I am talking with a murderer. Bernardine stood silent, while Emily turned from him and attempted to leave the place. Stay, lady, said he. You deserve to think so still, since you can believe me capable of such a deed. If you are innocent, tell me quickly, said Emily, in faint accents, for I feel I shall not be able to hear you long. I will tell you no more, said he, and walked away. Emily had just strength enough to bid him stay, and then to call Annette, on whose arm she leaned, and they walked slowly up the rampart, till they heard steps behind them. It was Bernardine again. "'Send away the girl,' said he, "'and I'll tell you more.' "'She must not go,' said Emily. "'What you have to say, she may hear.' "'May she so, lady?' said he. 
you shall know no more then and he was going though slowly when emily's anxiety overcoming the resentment and fear which the man's behaviour had roused she desired him to stay and bade annette retire the signora is alive said he for me she is my prisoner though his excellency has shut her up in the chamber over the great gates of the court and i have the charge of her i was going to have told you you might see her but now emily relieved from an unutterable load of anguish by this speech had now only to ask bernardine's forgiveness and to conjure that he would let her visit her aunt he complied with less reluctance than she expected and told her that if she would repair on the following night when the signor was retired to rest to the postern gate of the castle she should perhaps see madame montoni amid all the thankfulness which emily felt for this concession she thought she observed a malicious triumph in his manner when he pronounced the last words but in the next moment she dismissed the thought and having again thanked him commended her aunt to his pity and assured him that she would herself reward him and would be punctual to her appointment she bade him good-night and retired unobserved to her chamber it was a considerable time before the tumult of joy which bernardine's unexpected intelligence had occasioned allowed emily to think with clearness or to be conscious of the real dangers that still surrounded madame montoni and herself when this agitation subsided she perceived that her aunt was yet the prisoner of a man to whose vengeance or avarice she might fall a sacrifice and when she further considered the savage aspect of the person who was appointed to guard madame montoni her doom appeared to be already sealed for the countenance of bernardine seemed to bear the stamp of a murderer and when she had looked upon it she felt inclined to believe that there was no deed however black which he might not be prevailed upon to execute these reflections brought to her remembrance the tone of voice in which he had promised to grant her request to see his prisoner and she mused upon it long in uneasiness and doubt sometimes she even hesitated whether to trust herself with him at the lonely hour he had appointed and once and only once it struck her that madame montoni might be already murdered and that this ruffian was appointed to decoy herself to some secret place where her life also was to be sacrificed to the avarice of montoni who then would claim securely the contested estates in languedoc the consideration of the enormity of such guilt did at length relieve her from the belief of its probability but not from all the doubts and fears which a recollection of bernardine's manner had occasioned from these subjects her thoughts at length passed to others and as the evening advanced she remembered with somewhat more than surprise the music she had heard on the preceding night and now awaited its return with more than curiosity she distinguished till a late hour the distant carousals of montoni and his companions the loud contest the dissolute laugh and the choral song that made the halls re-echo 
At length she heard the heavy gates of the castle shut for the night, and those sounds instantly sunk into a silence, which was disturbed only by the whispering steps of persons passing through the galleries to their remote rooms. Emily, now judging it to be about the time when she had heard the music on the preceding night, dismissed Annette and gently opened the casement to watch for its return. The planet she had so particularly noticed at the recurrence of the music was not yet risen. But, with superstitious weakness, she kept her eyes fixed on that part of the hemisphere where it would rise, almost expecting that when it appeared the sounds would return. At length it came, serenely bright, over the eastern towers of the castle. Her heart trembled when she perceived it, and she had scarcely courage to remain at the casement, lest the returning music should confirm her terror, and subdue the little strength she yet retained. The clock soon after struck one, and knowing this to be about the time when the sounds had occurred, she sat down in a chair near the casement, and endeavoured to compose her spirits, but the anxiety of expectation yet disturbed them. Everything, however, remained still. She heard only the solitary step of a sentinel, and the lulling murmur of the woods below, and she again leaned from the casement, and again looked as if for intelligence to the planet, which was now risen high above the towers. Emily continued to listen, but no music came. Those were surely no mortal sounds, said she, recollecting their entrancing melody. No inhabitant of this castle could utter such, and where is the feeling that could modulate such exquisite expression? We all know that it has been affirmed celestial sounds have sometimes been heard on earth. Father Pierre and Father Antoni declared that they had sometimes heard them in the stillness of night, when they alone were waking to offer their horizons to heaven. Nay, my dear father himself once said that soon after my mother's death, as he lay watchful in grief, sounds of uncommon sweetness called him from his bed, and on opening his window he heard lofty music pass along the midnight air. It soothed him, he said. He looked up with confidence to heaven, and resigned her to his God. Emily paused to weep at this recollection. Perhaps, resumed she, perhaps those strains I heard were sent to comfort, to encourage me. Never shall I forget those I heard at this hour in Languedoc. Perhaps my father watches over me at this moment. She wept again in tenderness. Thus passed the hour in watchfulness and solemn thought, but no sounds returned, and after remaining at the casement till the light tint of dawn began to edge the mountain tops and steal upon the night shade, she concluded that they would not return, and retired reluctantly to repose. End of Volume 2 Chapter 12